the Alabama Crops Report podcast, your trusted information source for Alabama agriculture. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Alabama Crops Report podcast. I'm Scott Graham. And I'm Caitlin Kassheimer, and we're both extension entomologists. And today we're going to talk about, I assume, cotton, but also rain. Yeah, yeah, probably a little bit of both. As we record here on uh, October the 5th, it is wet in in Lee County anyway, and I think just depending on where you're standing in the state, there's a good chance your your head's probably getting rained on. And with us today, we have a good friend of the pod, and at this point, probably a a co-host, Dr. Steve Brown. Welcome, Steve. Good to be with you again and to share stories. The most reoccurring guest in the history of the Alabama Crops Report podcast. Wow, that's that's quite a title. Pa. Pod. Uh, pa sounds like pa, almost like pa. In the pod. Yeah. Oh, we've been in it so long, I'm just shortening it to the pod. That's so, the pod. yeah, we're we're all hats at this. <laughs> yes. But it's good to be back in the studio. It's been a while um, with our fearless leader, Josh, our producer, um, editor of inappropriate laughs and comments. So, good to be back. And snorts, too. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> That'll be our uh, Christmas episode. It's just Caitlin laughing and snorting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Steve, speaking of laughing, I'd say we were all in the cotton world in Alabama in a pretty good mood last week about this time. We were. We had experienced some rainfall back, I guess, beginning in July, but then we fared off maybe a couple of weeks ago and thought, man, we've turned the corner and we've, we've entered the edge of harvest season. We need sunshine. We need a breeze. We had all that. And now the last couple, the first few days of October, we have been drenched, probably more so in central than maybe in southeast Alabama. I know southwest has gotten soaked too, but rainfall this time of year on the edge of harvest or in the midst of harvest when the crop is ready or multiple crops are ready, it's very, it's, it's somewhat discouraging to experience that and to see the the loss, the impact of that, the, the negatives of that in terms of yield and quality. Yeah, absolutely. It's been... Uh, and even in, in North Alabama, too, they've sure, got a lot of yes, rain. And yes. like you said, folks are, I feel like, and Caitlin might can speak better, I feel like we're close to, if we're not done with corn at this point, getting it out. Yeah, I think we got real lucky with the timing of the rains. It worked out for corn, but not so much for cotton. Yeah. We got some good stands up early with timely rains, and then the majority of harvest is done. Uh, North Alabama is still ticking away, yeah. but... We're, we're, we're in good shape for corn. I, I fear it's not the same for cotton right now. Cotton and peanuts, I think, are, are hurting yeah. uh, just because the crop's ready, particularly peanuts. They're, they've been, they, they feel the pressure because of disease and, and the loss, and certainly in cotton we feel the same too. So. Yeah, and I know some folks are starting to get early beans out and stuff yeah. like that, and our yes. late beans are... We'll see what all this rain and, and storms does for them. Yeah. Uh, I did see last week on Twitter that there was a, a, a picker going in the black belt. I don't doubt there's been a little bit of cotton picked, and I'm happy for anybody. I know there's been some defoliated, but where I've been, and I haven't certainly been all over the state, I haven't seen any. I, but I, I hope some people got some some in the, in the module before this latest uh, round of rain. So that's a good thing. But there's m- many people have not commenced or have just commenced defoliating, and there's so much to be done in terms of getting the crop ready and, and to go, and then then in in the gin. So, so Steve, what does this mean in terms of you mentioned defoliation? So, what what can producers do as they're waiting for it to dry out? 
Well, defoliation is really a, a, a broad, we probably uh, use that term to, to say a lot of things. It's really harvest aid application. We're trying to do multiple things with that. We want to defoliate the crop. We want to remove the leaves, both mature and immature leaves. But we all we do other things too. We want to suppress regrowth, and then we want to open bowls. And we may do even a few other things. Maybe we want to try to dry down some weeds. But while it's too wet to get in the fields, not a whole lot you can do. Maybe some places that have access to aerial application, we can go ahead and proceed. But we probably want to let this. Uh, front move on through and get a little sunshine before we commence to to get in the field with our harvest aid products so and speaking of harvest aid products i know you know i I hear and read a lot of stuff about defoliation and bowl openers and all that kind of stuff like you mentioned and and i see a lot of times folks talking about a one-shot approach or a two-shot approach with the weather that we've kind of been seeing would there be an advantage this year to trying to do a a quote one-shot approach or well, my aim is always to make it in one shot because of the cost, the timing. It, it, now, what you can do is, is, is gear up, I'm going to make one application, and then, hey, if it hadn't quite, done quite enough, then we get in and retreat. The other approach is under a heavy canopy, a dense canopy, some folks will plan on a two-shot a program. They'll make an application with a little bit of defoliant, a little bit of bowl opener, and they'll wait, say, a week or so, and then come back with a more aggressive full uh, orb rate of defoliants and, and, and bowl openers, et cetera. And so they'll plan for that. To me, that's an added expense. And uh, now smarter guys that have are used to – they know their ground and they know what's, how difficult it is to remove leaves and open bowls and plan for that. Almost always when you go for a, a setup and plan for a, a two, two-shot program – you do a great job. My thought is, hey, let's try to skate by and, and be um, a little cheaper, again, time and money, and maybe we get enough. If we don't, we touch it up. But um, I, I like that approach. And I would say probably 95% or more of our acres, or most people approach it with a one-shot application mindset. They may t- they may have to touch it up, but there are a few that are committed, have great fertility, great growing conditions. They say, no, we got to have a two two uh, application program, and I don't I don't certainly don't discourage that because they know what it takes to, to do something on their on their farm. So, given the the one versus two shot approach, can you talk a little bit about timing of these applications, and then maybe go into what specific products we're going to be applying? Most timing decisions are based on on the maturity of the bowls. Now, frankly, we have gotten this is we're almost we're in the first week of October, and so a lot of fields are ready, and just the weather has hindered us from from getting at them. Now, our crop has been generally a little later than normal, so but timing is gauged multiple ways. You can ride down the road in a pickup truck and say, oh, that's 50 or that's 70% open. That's one way, and it's not, not overly accurate. I find myself making some errors and some gross <laughs> misestimates there. Uh, but that's certainly a way. But you should be able to tell the difference between 50 and, and 90% open. Um, a more Some more sophisticated ways, if you have a first position bowl that's open and then any any bowl, first position bowl above that, say four nodes and possibly five nodes, they should be sufficiently mature enough, advanced enough in growth that you can put on a bowl opener or defoliant, you won't reduce yield or quality. So that's another way. So what, what you just said is 
if you find a an open first position bowl, which is the bowl closest to the main to the Correct, stall, right? Mm-hmm. The next four or five bowl first position bowls above that should be sufficiently matured. That's right to get it going. Another way to assess an area, and you always have to think about how if I'm looking at an area, how representative is this uh, is this of the whole field or the bulk of the field? Is taking a pocket knife or some sort of cutters, clippers or something, even the PVC pipe cutters and cutting through the bowl and and slicing a cross section and seeing uh, is it still uh, jelly like and, and not the cotyledons are not well formed or can you see begin to see some discoloration or some tanning or browning or even blackening of the the, the seed coat and you'll observe that very well in a, in a cross section cut and and then also a bowl that's mature is pretty difficult to cut with a pocket knife so that's sort of a confirmation of the 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 visual looking but I think we got a lot of fields ready to go in terms of timing so we talked a little bit about timing there what about products and I know a lot of these are generics and there's a world of different names so I don't know if you want to talk about active ingredients or if you want to give general yeah, the, there are many products, but let me let me just talk about function again. I mentioned it, but we want to uh, – actually, there are five different functions we can accomplish with our Harvest Aid products. Number one, we want to remove mature leaves. Certain products do that well. Second thing is we need to remove juvenile leaves or juvenile growth. The third thing is we want to uh, suppress regrowth. The fourth thing is, and maybe the order of these may switch around in, in certain situations, but we want to open bowls. And the fifth possible thing is if we got some weeds out there, we would love to dry them down a little bit, and we got some products that may do that. Uh, in terms of, uh, of leaf removal, both juvenile and immature, we've got multiple products and probably three groups. The main one is the phosphate or the trebifos type product, DEF or Folex. That's the one, the characteristic odor that people smell when they think about cotton defoliation. The second one is going to be uh, a product that is the, the original product was, was DROP, or it's known now as Thidazuron or TDZ, and it's a good defoliant. It does some other things. And then we have several products that we would be herbicidal-type products in the PPO herbicide group, and th- those would include AIM and ET. And there are probably a handful of others that are, that are generics or even close to that, that that I haven't named. But those would be the three products we would use in terms of leaf removal. Uh, of those, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the drop, the TDZ type product is probably going to be the best material to handle juvenile foliage. And drop or TDZ is also going to be the best uh, product to, to limit and inhibit regrowth. And regrowth can occur from the base of the plant at the stalk. It can occur in the top of the plant. And it's problematic in that if you've got a lot, you may get the leaves off, but if you have a lot of regrowth, you may create some green stain on the cotton that, that would be a negative that you may have to deal with later on. So those would be the, the, the products we think in terms of leaf removal. Uh, and and in terms of regrowth inhibition, uh, uh, another product that's used extensively would be the Ethafon products. The original product was called Prep, and now there are probably 16 different generics of that, and, and some some fancified versions of that. But it's a bowl opener. But at the high rates at which we're using it today, it also provides some some help with defoliation. And so I, I would say. Without, almost without exception, we need to be using combinations of products because combinations are far more consistent in doing 
even even leaf removal uh, than a single product alone. We could use the best product, use it at the highest rate, and not do a great job. But if we use a good pro- if we use two products that, that are intended to remove leaves, and that could include the Ethafon product that's also a bowl opener, we do a much better, much more consistent job in terms of getting the leaves off and getting the crop ready for harvest. How much does weather, environmental factors impact this? Yeah, it, that weather certainly affects it. If, if I knew uh, this big rain was coming in a day or two, I'd probably want to hold off making my application. And we're, we're, we're still, still really warm. We're in the 80s in, in many parts of the state. Now, we dip down briefly, but we're still very warm. Uh, but on the other end of the spectrum, when we get down and we start getting close to frost, average frost dates, if we knew a frost was coming in four or five days, we may want to proceed. We would love to be out, again, four or five days ahead of that rather than the night before or the day before a frost or freeze was coming. Now, freeze is to, to impact bowls is probably going to be somewhere 29 or 28 degrees for, for several hours. A light freeze may actually burn the foliage and, and sort of help set the crop up for, for leaf removal and, and, and the proceeding of, of our normal defoliation and, and the bowl opening. In fact, what we're doing with these products is actually just accelerating what's naturally going to happen. But we're trying to speed it up so we can have a once-over harvest and get it done in, in good fashion to preserve yield and, and net quality. So a, a light freeze can help, a hard freeze, not good. A light freeze can help. Now, some people might argue with me. And, and do you, how do you judge the impact? Well, you judge the impact maybe a day or so after you walk out. If you smell it, you know that those bowl, upper bowls soured and, and it got mm. cold. And in a field, even a field that has some slope, you'll see a gradation of impact of cold weather. I've seen it frost be less at the top and more at the bottom as, as it got cooler. And then you see airflow affect that too. So yeah, a, a light freeze, we, the big the big thing we need to be concerned about, if we know a, a serious cold front is coming, we're going to see freezing temperatures. We need to be several days out with our application, in particular with our bowl opener, to set the crop up for, for leaf removal as well as getting the leaves off and, and then being able to, to harvest in a timely fashion behind that. With most of our harvest aid products, we, we should be looking at getting, the leaves will come off pretty fast if we get the right combination. We might see leaf removal in four or five days, but bowl opening may take another several days. And, and with some of our premium products, which I didn't mention, a product like Finish and, and GenStar, there's some other products that have that are combinations in and of themselves. They may do, they may get the job done a little faster. Say rather than wait 14 or 17 days to pick, they may accomplish it in eight or 10 days. And we should get it. If we're going to use the premium products, or if in fact our our job, our application works so well that we get the leaves off, we need to proceed as, as rapidly as possible, not wait three weeks out. You know, go ahead and get, get the crop out because time is ticking. The crop is subject to weather events, heavy dews, and, and so forth. So what do you, how do you advise a farmer who maybe had planned a one-shot approach and something maybe, a, you know, some of these storms are localized and they pop up on you and you didn't know you were going to get it. How long do you wait to evaluate to say, hey, I need to go back? Yeah, I'm probably going to wait at least a, a week to see. And if I, if I still have a lot of green out there or my bowl opening wasn't sufficient, then I may, I'm on, I may touch up. 
I may touch up with the PPO type. If, if it's just green foliage, juvenile foliage out there, I may use the PPO herbicide type product, spray it, get a very rapid response and pick it quite rapidly. If it's a bowl opening response, that I, if it's bowl opening that I haven't achieved, that's going to take some time. So I may make an application and I'm going to be waiting probably a week or more uh, to, to f- sufficiently get bowls open to pick. Now, are there any other adjustments or looking ahead things producers should consider right now as we do get all this rain? I mean, we're sitting at several inches in in central Alabama currently. So what other things, in addition to harvesting applications, should they be concerned about getting ready for? Yeah, just as in general, as as temperature declines, and we do hope we're going to see some truly fall temperature soon. In, in some respects, we want to see it cool off. As as it cools off, typically with a lot of our products, we're going to slightly increase our rates. We might get a little more aggressive. We might even add uh, some some adjuvants with our our defoliant mixture. Uh, we wouldn't do that when it's particularly warm, but as it gets cooler, they may enhance the overall activity, so that's something else we might do. Wet weather, I don't know that there's anything other than the fact that we know we got sufficient soil moisture to have regrowth pressure out there wherever we go. And that means we, we probably would be uh, more aggressive with our TDZ rate we may bump that up a little more to, to inhibit, to prevent, and to dry up that, that regrowth that occurs. So that's the one thing to me, as warm as it is and as wet as it is, every field is probably going to be dealing with some regrowth. So that means, hey, we got to have TDZ to, 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 to deal with that regrowth. And it, it's kind of like you got, say you got three products you might be using. You got little knobs, and you might adjust up or down. Well, that's and as you get into it, you get a little smarter, and you realize, well, last week I should have done this. But you you just go going into it with this kind of regrowth pressure. You know, the TDZ rate, the thiazuron rate, is going to have to be a little more aggressive this year, in my mind. And I would say something else we could be doing while we're sitting here and we can't get in the field anyway is double and tri- triple check our pickers. We need to be ready to go. That's that's. I guess I've been driving over the lower southeast for a long time, and, and I'll cringe. I'll pass a cotton field, and it's ready. I say, well, where is the picker? And I wish I had some kind of magic vacuum cleaner to suck it all up. But, um, you know, there's a lot of – it's easy to sit from in the office or the pickup truck and say, this ought to be done. But uh, cotton pickers are – complicated machine an expensive machine uh, what requires a lot of maintenance mm-hmm. and uh, so again it just all doesn't happen at once but we got it we got it you got to get with it and we have some distractions with peanut harvest and other harvests going on so a lot of things um, go on to to it's, it's just we got to s- slow and steady and chip away at it and and get with it as best we can. Absolutely. Steve, anything else we need to cover, you think? One thing I would say is uh, Cotton Picker is, a again, a complicated machine, a, a massive machine. There are a lot of moving parts, a lot of dangerous parts. There are other aspects of what we do at Harvest, whether that's module building or moving modules. There's a lot of opportunity for, for injury 
And uh, so I would encourage, and, and it's easy because harvest time is such a rush time, and you want to get her done, and I'm, I'm all for that. But safety is, is, is such a critical, there's so many things that can happen. So I just encourage an extra sense of caution and even patience at times so that we don't have some injuries that could be uh, extremely painful immediately and, and, and long term. So safety is, is uh, I think, it should be at uh, front of our minds as we think about harvest. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's like my mom says, things can be replaced, people cannot. That's right. So keep that in mind. And, and thanks, Steve. And producers can find all this information and more in your Cotton Shorts newsletter, which is a wealth of information. So they want to subscribe to that. And uh, check us out next time on the Alabama Crops Report podcast. The Alabama Crops Report podcast is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and is sponsored by Alabama Ag Credit.